we got the alternative energy. free autonomy. And welcome to the Radioactive Show, produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne and heard nationally on the Community Radio Network. Hello and welcome. I'm K.A. This week's Rad Show has been recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Wadjuk Noongar, or better known as Perth for 3CR Melbourne, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. On this week's show, I speak with Mia Pepper, spokesperson for the Conservation Council of Western Australia, and Debbie Carmody, an Unangul and Spinifex person, who both speak out against the recent decision by the Morrison government who's given federal approval to the Yiliri Uranium Project in WA's Midwest. Last week was also the 33rd anniversary of the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, but rather than build a clean energy future, the Australian government is rubber-stamping the highly contested Yiliri Uranium Project. Despite commitments to wait until the outcome of a continuing court process in WA, Federal Environment Minister Melissa Price approved this contested plan the day before the election was called. I begin by asking Mia to give us some background information on the Yiliri Uranium Mine Project and about the WA Supreme Court legal action where three Jewel women from Yiliri and the Conservation Council of WA are in a legal battle against the state government and CAMICO. My name is Mia Pepper and I'm a spokesperson for the Conservation Council of WA. Yiliri Uranium Project is um, a proposal by a giant Canadian company, CAMICO, and the proposal is to mine about a nine-kilometre stretch um, of pretty shallow uranium, so it's quite close to the surface. Um, that area is um, an arid kind of desert environment, um, but it's also home to a rare community of subterranean fauna, so um, creatures that live in the underground water system and in underground air pockets below and around where the uranium deposit is. So, um, yes, yeah, so one of the biggest concerns around this project has been the impact to those uh, subterranean fauna communities and uh, at a state level the project um, when it was going through state environmental assessment through the EPA um, the EPA rejected the project saying that it's, uh, the threat of extinction was too great um, and so there was a uh, the company appealed the EPA's decision um, and the, through that process uh the appeals convener found that the EPA was correct in their findings that, yes, the project had a really high um, likelihood of causing extinction. Then mm. the uh, the former state environment minister agreed, yes, with the, um, with the appeal finding, but approved the mine anyway. Um, and so that's the subject of a legal challenge. And so the um, the current environment minister Melissa Price, she in October last year told the Kalgoorlie miner that she wouldn't make a decision about the Yiliri uranium mine until after the outcome of the WA court case had been finalised, and that was based on advice from from the federal environment department, um, and we welcomed that decision then. But in that time, um, we can only assume that there's a fair bit of pressure put on the minister. And so one of her final acts, in fact, the last act she did before the election was called was to approve 
the Yulia uranium mine in, as you described, what, what you know, was a shonky approval. And so it does raise a lot of questions. It raises a lot of questions about how um, companies or industry lobby groups apply pressure to ministers. They clearly didn't like that decision or that um, that commitment she made in October that she would wait for the outcome of the court case and and as uh, you know the election had to be called you know there was a, there's a number of decisions that the environment minister made that are really controversial including some approvals for the Adani uh, coal project mm-hmm. in Queensland and so yeah there's you know serious questions about how a minister will you know clear their desk as they say, um, before an election is called, when there's, you know, processes in, in train um, that they can just kind of fast track. Mm. And we saw that at the state level before the state election, you know, we saw three uranium mines approved in weeks of each other just before the state election. I guess what, what we've learnt in the lead-up to this is that, yeah, the federal process um, kind of runs alongside the state process that is independent of it. So um, I guess to break that down, whatever happens at a state level doesn't affect the federal decision. Mm. Um, But at the same time, the federal decision is kind of irrelevant if there's no state decision. So, um, and I I guess we still need advice on this, but but my reading of, of the situation is that a mine can't operate without a mining approval um, and that happens at a state level and the Department of Mines here won't issue a mining approval unless there is a state environmental approval. So, yeah, I think I think it's a slightly strange situation, mm-hmm. I guess, that this is, um, you know, that we're looking at where, yeah, a state process is completely independent of a federal process but they're both completely related at the same time so mm, I guess mm. it's all, it all remains to be seen and, and I guess Hillary and this, uh, these approvals will kind of expose what the situation is. Mm. You're listening to Mia Pepper, spokesperson for the Conservation Council of WA, speaking about the shocking federal environmental approval of Yuliri Uranium Project in WA's Midwest. We continue our interview about the approval and the conditions that have been signed off, in particular around the extinction of species. Sure, yeah. Well, um, there's actually a thanks to um, WA Green Senator Rachel Seawert through the Senate, through um, questions to the Senate, uh, that we were able to identify that the company Cameco had been negotiating with the federal government around specific conditions for the mine. So in one document that was um, was made public, it showed that the federal government had kind of put forward a condition that said that the company should uh, prove that the mine would not cause extinction um, if the project was implemented. And the company's response to that in this document was that that condition is unachievable. Mm. Um, which is, you know, is pretty blatant and pretty clear that that the expectations of government and I think the community that a project wouldn't cause extinction, um, that they can't actually prove that, you know, that mm. that's really clear. And what we've 
been advocating for is, you know, that we have environmental laws that are based on evidence and that we have environmental laws that are based on science. And so, yeah, we think that that's a fair request of a company. If you're going to implement a project, that that project should be able to prove that it won't cause extinction. That's it's clear and it's simple. Um, but, yeah, so the, the company said that's not achievable and instead, in the conditions that we saw from Melissa Price last week, that that condition is not in there. Instead, there's yeah, 32 convoluted uh, conditions that talk about um, groundwater levels and surveys and um, third-party um, surveys and a whole a whole suite of really specific conditions, what we would call prescriptive conditions. Mm. And the problem with setting conditions like that instead of an outcome kind of condition and a condition that says you won't cause extinction mm. is that if the company follows all of those conditions and it still causes extinction, it's no longer the company's fault because they say, well, we followed our conditions. We followed the letter of the law. So in causing extinction, they've not actually broken any laws. We can't hold them to account after the fact. Um, and so, you know, I think that's really problematic. I think it's really problematic, A, that the company was able through a secretive process to negotiate conditions with the government, something that the public was completely excluded for. And secondly, that we've got a set of really convoluted conditions that don't hold the company accountable for um, for the possible extinction of multiple species at a uranium mine. Many traditional owners and community activists have fought long and hard to stop Yuliri uranium mine. I asked Mia how the traditional owners from Yuliri and activists in Perth are feeling about this shocking approval. It's really surprised people. Mm. Like everybody just took on face value that commitment that was made not to make a decision until after the court case. Um, and so people were just really, you know, really shocked, really mm. just caught off guard. And because we thought the election was called, um, and so nobody thought that she could, and nobody knew that she had the day before the election was called and then waited 10 days to make it public, to publish mm. that approval online. So. You know, people were caught off guard in a really bad way. Mm. But um, but more than that, you know, people just feel so disrespected because of how much people have invested in this court case through, you know, time, risk, um, putting, you know, putting themselves out in front. And, you know, nobody really likes to do that. Everyone, you know, sticking your neck out is not a comfortable place to be and people have really had to um, push boundaries and through comfort zones to to do this, um, mm. to stand up for country. And then, you know, to have a politician in one fast swoop completely disrespect that process, mm. you know, people just are like, but hang on a second, we're playing by your rules, you know. We're mm. doing, we're following the law, we're doing everything that we need to do to... Um, to protect our country and then, you know, having that whole process disrespected is really a blow. It's a blow um, for this 
you know, for Yuliri and for that struggle. But it's, I think it's also a blow for people's confidence in politicians. And that's, you know, that's a sad thing for, uh, for democracy. Mm, absolutely. The lack of respect to the people of this country and to the due process, the disregard for the dual traditional owners, putting the interests of big companies over the environment and communities along the transport route, the deficient assessment of the project, the abuse of our environmental laws over a project that has little financial stability is 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 outstanding. Even Cameco have stated that market, market conditions are challenging and to advance on Yuliri will depend on market conditions. So I asked Mia about the stock market price of uranium. The long-term uh, contract price for uranium is around 30 US dollars a pound. Mm. And Cameco have said for the Yuliri mine, and it's different, for different projects, but for the Yuliri mine specifically, that they they've said that the uranium price needs to be north of US fifty five dollars a pound. Um, so yeah. you know, yeah, it's a long it's a long way yeah. off. And when you look at a number of factors that are affecting the uranium market, um, you think, well, it's probably you know, if it does improve, it's probably unlikely to improve that much. And if it was to improve that much. There's a number of other projects that have been shelved and put into care and maintenance because of the low uranium price that are much quicker and cheaper to bring online than to develop a new mine, and that again could change change the uranium price. So that you know, I think there's a lot of factors against um, establishing any new uranium mines. And finally, Mia, what actions uh, will happen around this disgraceful decision and how can the people listening help the campaign to stop Yuliri uranium mine? Yeah, well, um, there's definitely, you know, Labor came out very quickly and called the approval shonky, which is absolutely right. Um, So you can call on Labor, Bill Shorten and Shadow Environment Minister Tony Burke to review disapproval and reconsider um, and also encourage them to introduce new environmental laws so that we don't see this kind of decision making happen again um, and the details for that should be on the Conservation Council WA website um, and you can send a letter of support to traditional owners, I believe Kaya you're collecting those yeah. um, and then later, yeah, later in the year um, there, there should be an organised trip out to to Yuliri with the three Tiwa women who are fighting this out in court. Um, yeah, just to connect to that that place and regroup and take the time to to be there on country and with people and understand and understand the importance of that place. The only other thing that's really you know disappointing about this project is that. Um, you know, that the economics of uranium are so poor at the moment and this project, we've got no immediate plans to go ahead in any case. So, you know, the company was releasing, released its annual report recently in which they said that they had no plans to develop or advance the mine. Um, mm. And so, you know, and then you've got the State Environment Minister who based their approval on saying, well, the economic value of this mine is so great that 
um, that I'm going to approve it anyway, despite the threat of extinction. And you go, well, hang on a second. You know, the economic value isn't there because otherwise the company would be actually advancing it or have plans to advance it and they simply don't. Um, mm. You know, so it's this really shocking example of how far our governments are willing to sell out on our country and our environment, our biodiversity um, for projects that won't even, that aren't even economically viable. Mm. You know, so mm. you think of what are they willing to sacrifice for projects that are economically viable and it's, I think it's I think it's shocking. I think our environmental laws need to be completely overhauled um, because we can't have political decisions that are based on doing favours for private industry over the public interest and over our environmental values. Thanks a million, Mia. Mia Pepper, awesome activist in Perth, working to stop uranium mining in Western Australia for many, many years. And I'll include all the details of how you can help the campaign in the West to stop the Ulyria uranium mine in the podcast notes. You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The Western Australian EPA explicitly rejected the Ulyria mine because it threatens rare native fauna with extinction and it would harm other species. This recommendation was overruled by the Barnett government weeks before it lost the 2017 state election and now, just this week, the Morrison government has performed the same trick, approving it only hours before a federal election was called. This was done without regard for the dual traditional owners on whose land the planned mine sits and the people of Kalgoorlie who could have radioactive material transported through their, through their town. I spoke with Debbie Carmody, an Anangul and Spinifex person living in Kalgoorlie, about the recent approval of Yuliri. Uh, my name's Debbie Carmody. I'm Anangul and Spinifex person living in Kalgoorlie, Boulder. It's disappointing how the Federal Environment Minister, Melissa Price, sidelines and erodes the rights of First Nations people by not listening to our voices in a respectful and appropriate way where our concerns are taken seriously and are a major factor in any decision made. In fact, Melissa Price is a good example of how dominant white notions of superiority work. She has totally dismissed the black voice, the voice of First Nations people who live and work on the land nearby who practice social, cultural, religious and political activities on the land, which is the foundation not just for our cultural survival, but our economic survival. Melissa Price has marginalised our voice, which erodes democracy and insults us as if we are simply bit players under the influence of the environmental movement. When the reality is, We are First Nations people who hold sovereignty, which has never been been ceded, and our tukulva, our laws that govern every aspect of our lives, is powerful and strong. And for Melissa Price to dismiss our tukulva, our constitution, is really a reflection of her character 
disrespectful and arrogant. There are always risks to community when transporting yellow cake, whether by road or rail. With accidents, it can lead to exposure. You can't guarantee the safe transportation of uranium oxide. So we want to protect people and the environment from the effects of any uranium exposure. It has been proposed that the uranium would be transported from Yaliri to Kalgoorlie and then railed to either the Port of Fremantle or over to South Australia. Now, this is a big issue for Ningamaya community, which is just outside of Kalgoorlie and sits near the Trans-Australian Railway Line because their community has been targeted to be uh, the site for the proposed transport hub in Kalgoorlie where the uranium oxide from Yaliri will arrive and then be put onto uh, trains. Now, the people of Ningamaya have been neglected by the state and federal government for years and is basically really a shanty town. And we believe that this has been the case because the government wants the people of Ningamaya to move. They want to close the community down to make way for the proposed transport hub. Only a couple of months ago, a a uh, representative from the state government went out there and asked people if they wanted to move. People said, no, this is our home. Where would we mm. go? Mm. I think it's very sneaky of the government to casually ask people to move out of their homes when the mm. hidden agenda for that request is to set up a transport hub to transport uranium oxide. In fact, it's outrageous when you think about it. And mm. the people who live there are very disadvantaged and they are powerless. And it is always First Nations people who are on the front line fighting against big miners who come in and think that they're, you know, it's their complete right to desecrate the land, poison the land, treat First Nations people as if they are the problem, mm. never mind the fact that we... Um, were born from this land. We will never leave this land. We didn't come from overseas country. We are the original inhabitants, the First Nations people from this land. You know, white people come and go, but we aren't going anywhere. This is mm. our place. We, we don't want uranium mining at Yaliri. We don't want uranium oxide to be transported. We don't want to be forcibly removed um, from Ningamaya to make way for a transport hub which will store uranium before um, it's transported by rail across our lands. You and your community um, are fighting to stop another uranium mining project um, at Mulga Rock, Debbie, not far from Kalgoorlie. Can you tell us a little bit about this place and, and your connection? Um, Mulga Rock is 240 kilometres east, northeast of Kalgoorlie in the Great Victorian Desert. It contains the country's biggest underdeveloped uranium resources. The project is 100% owned and operated by Vimy Resources. The landscape out there is beautiful. Soft desert sands, brilliant orange sand hills. There's um, these beautiful sand plains of yellow and orange with 
diverse mammals and reptile fauna and distinctive um, hummock grasslands covering the earth. My father remembered going there as a child with his mother when they would walk, you know, through country. It's a it's a warm place, a safe place where Dad would camp with his mother and family between soft desert sands. It is a important social and cultural place. Now that road that leads into the proposed mines has graves there, and yet the company said it had talked to all First Nations people. And obviously they haven't because I don't think they know about the graves. There's also water, a water hole close by that sits in uh, Mattawonga country and the Mattawonga people are concerned about the water and animals being poisoned from the proposed mine and that water, that water runs all the way down south and will impact on country there. Well, our sovereignty has never ceded and that needs to be recognised. But, you know, whether this gets recognised or not, the fact remains we have sovereignty. Our DNA existed way before the coming of white man. I would like to see the end of social injustices I would like to see wealth equity. These are all issues that white people actually need to look at. They need to look at the truth of invasion and colonisation and until that happens, only then will we as a nation mature. And just in conclusion, um, we as First Nation peoples, do have serious concerns about uranium mining in our region. We do not want it. We are concerned about the health impacts on local communities, radioactive waste management, transport of uranium all through communities because that adds um, serious health risks. We do not want a radioactive outback. There is no such thing as safe uranium mining. We are concerned about the the health health risks to workers and communities that will be exposed if there is an accident exposing them to radiation from the uranium ore itself and from inhalation of radon gas. Wanty uranium. Leave it in the ground. Brilliant. Thanks a million, Debbie. So very well spoken for your people and the First Nations people of this country. You were just listening to Debbie Carmody from Kalgoorlie about the recent approval of the Yuliri uranium mine. And that's it for this week's RAD show. Thanks so much to the awesome activists Debbie Carmody and Mia Pepper for speaking with us on today's show and to the work that these women both do to stop uranium mining in Western Australia. Radioactive Show is on Facebook and past episodes and podcasts are available on the 3CR website. Go to www.3cr.org.au forward slash radioactive. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at radioactive.3cr at gmail.com. This Radioactive Show was produced with the support of the Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Campaign, 
on the stolen lands of the Ghana people for 3CR. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in next week for more news, views on nuclear peace and energy issues.